Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Hello again. Today is Sunday, June the 10th. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9 again, and we are going to focus on verses 18 through 38, where we were last time talking about the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, let's go ahead and read these verses, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. And while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. And he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. And when the people were put forth, he went in and took, took, took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy upon us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. And when he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no men know it. But when they were departed, they spread abroad his fame into all that country. And as they went, behold, they brought him a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, What? It is never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees says he cast out devils through the prince of devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Heavenly Father, we do come before you this morning. I ask that you bless the reading of your word, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand the things that you have for us. Lord, we just uh, lift up each need that is represented. Ask that you would meet it according to your riches and your glory, Father. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we've already looked at this portion of scripture, uh, and we noticed a couple of things. Um, here, Israel is depicted as a flock with no shepherd. Uh, their past shepherds had scattered them, Ezekiel 34. Thus, they needed a new shepherd who would regather and care for them. And Jesus here is presenting himself as that shepherd. And now he begins to perform miracles to show that he is not only willing, but he is able to be that shepherd. And the first thing that he shows them is that he could protect them by defeating death. He does this by raising Jairus's daughter from the dead. We also see in this verse, in these verses, verse number 18, his deity on full display. The man worships Jesus. 
and he doesn't reject the worship. And we looked over in Acts, we looked in Revelation where others, angels and men alike, refused to accept the worship of men and pointed them to God. But here Jesus is allowing such worship, thus proving his deity. And we believe in the deity of Christ. God, Jesus is God. Jesus is man. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. Some people would say 50% God, 50% men. That's heresy. He's all God. He's all God, all man. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. We call that the hypostatic union. All God, all man. He was the God man. And then on another note, we noticed that this man wanted Jesus to come and lay his hands upon his daughter, Jairus, which was totally the opposite of the centurion in the previous chapter who wanted the Lord to just speak a word. And God uses each of us in different ways. We all have different temperaments and mentalities and things that we do and don't do our own levels of faith. We compared Ezra and Nehemiah and their different leadership styles. One accepted the military escort of the king. One refused it. You know, one just prayed about the problem of mixed marriage and the other started beating people and ripping out beards and spitting on them. So, so, but God used Ezra and Nehemiah equally. Uh, all of us are different and the way that God uses us is different. And then the other point that I want to draw these scriptures is notice that Jesus was ridiculed. Notice in verse number 23, and when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. And he said unto them, give place for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. That literally means that they ridiculed him. You know, I am encouraged by the fact that Jesus did not allow the stupidity of others to stop him. You know, neither should we. You know, it's been said that when the morning's freshness has been replaced by the weariness of midday, when the leg muscles quiver under the strain, the climb seems endless, and suddenly nothing will go quite as you wish, it is then that you must not hesitate. You keep moving. You keep trusting God. We cannot allow the stupidity of others to make us quit. Jesus was ridiculed, and you know what? We too shall be ridiculed. Is the servant greater than his master? You need to remember something. We aspire, we follow a man that was ridiculed, mocked, and eventually crucified. And we are called to follow in that example. We follow a crucified savior. We follow a rejected savior. We followed a ridiculed savior. And a man is not greater than his master we are going to be subjected to the same things. We should not allow ridicule to stop us. And I'm afraid that today um, Christians are backing out of um, the conversation because we just don't like ridicule. You know, we, we say one thing, it comes back at us, and we're too afraid to say it again. We need to speak. We should not allow scorn and ridicule to push us out of the conversation. And then notice also, not only did Jesus prove to them that he was indeed their shepherd by overcoming death, but secondly, he proved that he could protect them by defeating disease. You see in verse number 20, he says, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came from behind him and touched the hem of his garment. 
He did this by healing the woman's issue of blood that even the doctors could not cure. As a matter of fact, in Luke's account, he says that this woman had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any in Luke 8, 43. He did this to prove that he was indeed their long-awaited Messiah, that he could indeed not only conquer death, but he could heal their diseases. Thus, he is the good shepherd. You know, I find it interesting that this woman was so secretive about the whole thing. You know, why didn't she just yell out to Jesus? Why didn't she just grab his attention in the crowd? Why was she content just to kind of sneak up behind him and touch the hem of his garment? I submit to you that she was unclean and she was not supposed to have been there. As a matter of fact, the Bible, when it speaks of women and their issues of blood uh, uh, in Leviticus 15, 19, it says, and if a woman have an issue and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean even until the evening. She was violating Mosaic law. That's why she wanted to come up behind him and didn't say anything. She thought, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. She was violating the Mosaic law. And not only did he um, heal disease, but we see here that he proved that he could be the great shepherd by defeating darkness. Uh, look in verses number 27 through 31 it says and when jesus departed thence two blind men uh, followed him crying saying thou son of david have mercy upon them upon us he did this by giving sight to these blind men you know matthew 4 16 the people sat in darkness have seen a great light of course these blind men were experiencing physical darkness but the children of israel and even us today are sitting in darkness a spiritual darkness. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. He proved that he could be their shepherd by defeating darkness. Fourthly, he proved that he could be their shepherd by protecting them from the devil. Notice in verse number 32, and as they went, behold, they brought him a dumb man possessed with a devil. He did this by casting the devil out of the man who was dumb. This shocked the religious leaders because they believed that it was impossible to cast out a demon until you first made him tell you his name. Well, that would have been hard because this man was mute. Jesus showed them that he was their great shepherd because he could protect them by defeating the devil. Now again, the Lord did these things to prove to them that he was indeed their long awaited Messiah. Now notice with me in chapter number 10. And when he had called unto them his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first is Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So here we see the selection of the 12 apostles. Now the word apostle means one who is sent forth. As a matter of fact, Jesus was called an apostle. In Hebrews 3.1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. 
Jesus. Jesus was sent forth of his father, and now Jesus is sending forth these 12. Besides these 12 and Jesus, it is also used of Paul, it is used of Barnabas, and it is used of Matthias. They were chosen by the Lord himself, including Paul, or by the Holy Spirit, as with Matthias and Barnabas, and of course, the 12. And we see this throughout. Are, are there apostles today? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think there are. Uh, the only qualifications for the calling of an apostle were found in Acts after the fall of Judas Iscariot and a replacement was sought. Uh, and in the only stipulations that I see given in Scripture is Acts one twenty, for it is written in the book of the Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let, let no man dwell therein, speaking of Judas, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men who have, number one, accompanied with us all the time that Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So if you look at those qualifications, there's certainly no one that can meet those today. Um, while I do not believe that the necessarily the office of apostle is open today, I do believe that the missionary, the church planter, certainly does fulfill the function of an apostle, but he's not an apostle. Uh, he was not selected by God uniquely for that position, nor does he meet the qualifications of that position. I, th I think some denominations do use the term apostle today, and I think that's that's a miss. I don't think that should be used. Uh, so I don't think the, the office of apostle is open, but certainly the function uh, through the church planter uh, is certainly open today, but not the apostle, because no man meets the qualifications that were laid down for the replacement of Judas Iscariot. Um, and certainly the Bible does mention five ministry gifts in Ephesians 4.11, where it says, and he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Uh, so, you know, those are the the ministry gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts that are given in Ephesians 4.11. Uh, and certainly Paul, being the writer of Ephesians, was an apostle. Um, I don't think that the office of apostle is available today, again, because no one meets uh, the, the criteria that was set down in Acts. Um, well, I, on that note, I, I also don't believe the office of prophet is open today. Now, that does not mean that I do not believe in the gift of prophecy. Uh, the word prophecy can mean either to foretell or to foretell. While no doubt God can still use men to foretell um, through the gift of prophecy, the overwhelming use of the gift is used by the pastor teacher to foretell. So if you look at the fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, I teach these to my students using the hand if you take and look at your hand, like right now, just look at your hand right now. Look at your left hand and you look at your thumb. That's the apostle. The apostle laid the foundations. The apostles planted the church. The apostles were called out uniquely by God. Uh, they planted the church just as a thumb. We need the thumb uh, in order to pick things up. It serves as the foundation of the hand. Can you imagine being thumbless? You would almost, you couldn't even pick up a glass. And then if you look at the prophet, the prophet um, 
I point to the index finger. That's the pointer finger. The prophet is the one that gets in your face and says, thus saith the Lord, thou art the man, uh, David. I don't think the office of prophet is open today. Uh, but of course I do believe in the gift of prophecy. And then if you continue to look at your hand, you look at your, your, uh, the third finger. And you know, if you look on your hand, that's the longest finger on your hand. It's between the index and the ring finger, uh, on most people's hands that I've met, it is the, the longer, the taller hand to finger that to me, that represents the evangelist. Uh, the evangelist stands out. Uh, the, uh, the evangelist draws attention to Christ. The evangelist, when he walks in a room, people fall under conviction. He's got a gift of evangelism. While I, I do evangelize, I, I don't necessarily feel I'm called to be to the office to, of an evangelist. I'm more of a pastor and a teacher. And there are men that are exclusively called to be evangelists and others, pastors and teachers. Um, even though I do exercise evangelism, I'm not necessarily called or anointed to be an evangelist. Uh, the evangelist, again, I, I had a friend in Texas, he'd walk in a room and we'd order food from a, a waiter or a waitress. And he'd say, you know, there's two types of waiters or waitresses in this restaurant. There are those who are going to be saved and those who are saved. Which one are you? I mean, he just had the ability and the boldness to evangelize. And that represents that finger. And then you come to the ring finger. The ring finger to me represents the pastor. He's married to the church for better or for worse till death do us part. Pastors see things that evangelists never see. He's there with the church through the good and the bad. And then you have the, the pinky and that represents the teacher. The teacher can go places other people can't go. <laughs> the teacher has the ability to expose the scriptures, to exegete the scriptures, to pull a meaning from the words in the scriptures. You know, it's just he's a gifted teacher. So um, when I look at the five ministry gifts found in Ephesians 4.11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the three that function today are the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers, though uh, the function of the apostle and certainly the function of the, the, of the prophet by means of forthtelling the word of God are still prevalent in our world today. Well, God bless you guys. Next time we get together, we're going to look down in verses five through seven of chapter number 10, as Jesus sends forth uh, the, the newly commissioned apostles into the world, into the way of the, uh, and he encourages them not to go into the way of the Gentiles or even into the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. God bless you folks. I hope you have a great day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.